0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myElementWealth.com.
1: In a Mississippi minute That's right My guest today, what a talent. You could say he was born with it. It didn't take him long to take theater in Hollywood by storm. As he, once he hit the go button, it was game on. Such a great guy, actor, producer, director. The list goes on and on. And just like I'm known for my biggest hit, I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday, he's probably best known for playing his leading role as the character of Ted Stryker in the blockbuster film Airplane, which I've watched at least 250 times, times four. So that means a 1,000. Please welcome Robert Hayes. Hello, Robert.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's about it. I think it's downhill (laughs) from here, so...
1: Thanks, and good night, everybody. No, it's not downhill. I love it. You know, we got to be known for the one. I love it. You know, I've had, like, this TV show that had the, the, the greatest one-hit wonder. Well, I've had num- numerous top 20s and top 10s, three number one videos, whatever, but they don't count them because my biggest hit is, was so big Um, top five most played songs on country radio since 2000. It just sort of, you know, it just sort of darkened the other Everything else, yeah. Yeah. It's what it is, but it's uh, it's not true. (laughs) But anyway, I just, you know, I don't pay attention to anything anymore. I just uh, roll with the flow. I appreciate you joining me. Are you in Cali?
0: I am. I'm out in the city of, uh, well, the state. I'm out in the state of there's never a tax they ever saw they didn't love. <laughs> i love Today it we go to the polls to elect more people that want to create more taxes and plunge us further into the abyss can i but ask you why you're I'd still there <laughs>
1: you
0: uh, know in mississippi
1: I've... we'd love to have you just FYI. oh
0: yeah hey well you know uh, people are moving out of here like dro- in droves i've got a friend that was born and raised in california he's older than i am and he's a big financial guy uh, very successful up in the bay area and he he couldn't take it anymore and he left and uh, went to austin texas well and uh loves it but he really misses california people really miss it because it's a beautiful state it's just that it's just you know it's just kind of being run into the ground
1: so have you ever thought about leaving california and do you think that it would affect you in a negative way especially you're still a working actor and producer and director
0: well, I've thought a little about it, but our friend we were talking about earlier, Paula uh, Tricky, right? Uh, what a what a wonderful character she is. Well, she's she like, you know, we were talking about she's leaving and here and going to Atlanta. Now, I didn't realize that. Uh, I mean, I knew Atlanta was a big film production place. Now, right? I didn't realize that it had overtaken L.A. Uh, so, Atlanta is the number one. Uh, in terms of the amount of production, number one, and uh, Vancouver is number two, and now Hollywood is number three. Wow. I didn't realize that. I mean, you know, he told me that. it's, uh, uh, it's kind of like people that work, um, you know, on the Internet. It uh, doesn't matter where they are. My cousin, um, who was living in Atlanta, for I think still is between there and up in New England, but uh, he was married to a woman who is an anthropologist, and they were in Africa. But he worked doing website designs and handling, managing websites. So he would just go to the local coffee shop there in Tanzania or wherever they were. I love it. And he would work out of there as long as he got his Internet connection, and then he'd work out of there. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You know, you can, you can do – I think Arthur C. Clarke said that one time when that was all just beginning. He was on a little island in the South Pacific, and he's got a dish. So he hooked up to the satellites, and he could be away from – all the craziness and live on this desert island and still be right. connected to the world. Well, like had... it's a little harder if you're actually, you know, you're an actor and and uh, working in the business. You kind of really have to be uh, where you're going to have face to face contact with people.
1: Right, exactly. And so, so you, but but now, did you grow? Where'd you grow up?
0: I grew up When? Well, you
1: know, back in the back in your pre-life, where'd you go? Well, I popped you grow? out of
0: my mama at uh, in the Bethesda Naval Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh,
1: I love it! You're from Maryland.
0: And no, uh, my dad was stationed there at the Naval Department in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And then I was probably eight months old when we came back home, where they they decided home was, which was the Newport Beach, Corona, Laguna area. Sounds
1: horrible. It just sounds horrible. What a horrible place to grow up. How'd you, how'd you survive it? But
0: then I've been across country by car 15 times <laughs> wow. back and forth. and then uh, lived in Turkey for three years, and Newport Beach was always our home, and then uh, uh, my senior year, I graduated high school just outside Omaha in Bellevue, Nebraska, and then came back and uh, came to San Diego, because we had horses by then, there was some property we could rent you know with uh horses because we were renting out the house in newport beach and wow. so then san diego became a hometown so I'm, i've i been a vagabond my whole yeah. life military brats or uh gypsies
1: you, you're raised in in a military lifestyle you're traveling all over the place where does the acting bug come from I and mean, what was it like growing up as robert hayes by the way you're in the mississippi minute we're talking to the great robert hayes and uh and we call him Bob as well, but anyway, uh, from after the Dallas Cowboys, uh, great wide receiver Bob Hayes.
0: But that's all. Right. I used to carry that little clipping in my wallet. Say, <laughs> so you ever, you ever uh, do any athletics? I say, yeah. And I pull out the clipping. It shows gold medalist, hundred yard dash, <laughs> Tokyo Olympics. And they say, what? Really? And I say, yeah. They misspelled my name, but you know. <laughs> I love it. I, I I was blessed with a great family, and Dad, although he was the strong, silent type, which he kind of inherited from his dad, who was a Texan, he wouldn't say anything when I was around, like after a play or something, you know, if they came to see it. But apparently, Mom told me that after I'd leave to go do something or get something, he'd turn to the people and say, you know, that's my son. Oh, I love it. I <laughs> so, love it. Yeah. So that was... He, he was... Uh, He was amazing. Both of them were just amazing, and I've got a sister, older sister, and uh, the big confrontation with my dad when I was just kind of in this, you know, in school and just getting into the theater down in San Diego, the Old Globe Theater, which is my home theater, and he had just gotten back from overseas. He was over in Vietnam, and he came back, and I was ready for the big confrontation. And so we were driving out to the base. I'm
1: getting day. all, am I getting that frizzies, that nervous feeling with
0: yeah, having
1: to meet oh, with your dad about he was something? Big, and
0: he was so, <laughs> my God, he could just silence was enough to make mm, you cringe. Mm. You I know, remember. He, well, he was uh, he was a uh, he commanded all these guys in three wars, a fighter pilot, and he
1: oh my god, so he
0: really knew, and his men apparently just loved him, thought he was the greatest guy, wow. and. Uh, and, and it was just because of you know always setting an example for him but but uh well we're driving out there to the base and right I'm sitting up in the passenger seat mom's in the back seat dad's driving and I was already you know how you have to gear yourself up for this yeah and it's the it's the biggest confrontation you've had with him you know kind of a big standing up for yourself kind of a thing right and I said, I bet you wish I would have been a lawyer or a doctor an officer anything but an actor huh and i was ready to fight for my own hey look at this is what i want to do right and there was silence and the silence went on and, I, and the longer it went on the more i was shrinking down yeah. shriveling up <laughs> losing all of my uh, whatever i'd built up yeah yeah it finally goes away. he said nope and i thought what and he said my family they you know, always said you you do what you want to do. You don't do what someone else wants you to do. Now that is like the coolest thing yeah. that your dad could tell you. But I was ready for a fight. I wanted to fight. Yeah. I thought, hey, wait yeah. a minute, come on. Yeah. <laughs> throw a punch, <laughs> would you? You know. And <laughs> no, uh,
1: don't throw a punch. I love no, it. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> but it was uh, it, it, he he supported me uh, all the way, and uh, I love it. It's kind of a thing that I I used to tell Jake. When he was growing up, my boy, uh, I I heard this from because I I grew up surfing and and uh, there was a guy whose dad was a legendary in the in the area, legendary surfer. He uh, he told his son he would take him out of school all the time, and he said, "Well, Dad, I got a test Oh, you can make that up later." And this guy was a big lifeguard, waterman, and everything. And he said, "Look, all I want you to do is do the best you can and be a good guy." And that was Love what it. his advice to his son to his kid was and that's what i always told my son and that's kind of what my dad without saying it that was what he was saying
1: well i love it well then you know hey lead by example and 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 the life that you've experienced and our parents have done uh have molded us into who we are we're with the great robert hayes actor director producer uh, theatrical genius you're in mississippi minute we'll be right back because that bridge is washed out and the road isn't there. Hey folks, if you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing its job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away one million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's omnipillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet.
0: In a Mississippi minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: I'm Steve Azar. We are with Robert Hayes, incredible actor. Uh, I do want to talk about his role as Ted Stryker because it's it's truly one of the most monumental, remem- memorable. Uh, I almost made up a word just then. Rememberable. That should be a word. Remember. Anyway, it's a sniglet. Anyway, it is a word now. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see that it's I'm, been created. Oh, okay, good. I thought I was just late for the party. Oh, <laughs> all right. So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about. I want to get into that, but I, I still want to get get to how it, how how that role came about, and I feel like the journey along the way obviously sets you up and prepares you. So, t- take me through your theatrical days, because it sounds like it was hu- a huge part. And with a lot of my actor friends that we both know, and the ones that I've interviewed, it seems like theater really help define and, and prepare you, right?
0: I think that's really important, yeah. Tell me why you love it. It's an incredibly good training ground for actors uh, because you go through the process, developing your character, working with the uh, director, which you don't really get to do. If you're doing film or television, you come prepared, you get up, say your lines, you're done. Right. You don't get a lot of uh, help from uh, a lot of directors. They don't have a clue about working with actors. They know about lighting or they know if they've come from, like some of them have come from shooting music videos and they're looking at the at the lighting and the, the angles and, and an actor will come up and say, do uh, you uh, need a little help with this? They go, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me finish this. <laughs> right. Working in the theater does. You work with, you're taking acting classes. You're learning how to create your character, how to develop your character, how to set your intention, how to find your intention through the scene and through the whole arc of the whole film or play. Then you get out there after you've done your week's of rehearsal. You get out there and you get on stage. Well, the director's not there and you're not, they're not saying, cut, well, let's go again on that scene. You you start, yeah. two hours later, you're done. And if you flub lines, you got to muddle through it. you got to figure out how to get through. If you can't remember lines, you got to get through it. And uh,
1: and that's hap- has that happened?
0: Oh sure, absolutely. And so, uh, you're, so,
1: so your experience sort of carries happened. you through it, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you got mistakes in the set. They did a set change, and it came out, and the thing had only got halfway up. It had to bend it down to get underneath the curtain to come out. And I mean, it was terrible. I came up with, oh, redecorating again. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and that was, and 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 the reviews because everything was so rough that opening night, everything was going wrong, and the reviews said. It's too bad when the only laugh comes from a mistake in the set change in the second act. Wow. That's a good uh, review. <laughs> for that it smoothed out and became really uh successful run, uh, you know, for how long it ran. But every single night you have to figure out how to make it fresh. Again. You've got a you got you you're doing the show, but you know, uh, you gotta realize these people haven't seen the show. It's a different right. audience.
1: Oh, right? absolutely.
0: And you have to, you are getting tired of it yourself, especially when you're going weeks and weeks and months and months. You have to figure out how to make it fresh each time. And that is like going to the gym and working out. I mean, you get to where you're lifting heavy weights and you're at your 100th rep and you're going, oh, I can't lift it. you got to figure out a way to lift it. Right. So that is a great learning experience right there and the other thing is you get immediate feedback from the audience so you know what's working and what's not working and you do opening night you you uh you do the show and you get this huge laugh which surprises you because you didn't realize there was a laugh there and certainly not a big one maybe there was a smile you thought but you get a huge laugh and then the next night, you come back and say, boy, here it comes. Yeah, and I know this. And there's the line, and it's dead. And you think, what the hell happened?
1: Well, isn't that funny? Because, you know, that that's so interesting. Because I was a live entertainer, because I've been doing it since I was a little boy. Um, right. There, I've had hits, like this one song, Sunshine, uh, that was, uh, I wrote it uh, on the, uh, at the first night, uh, I spent about, almost 50 glorious shows with Bob Seger. It was the first night in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I got off my bus and it was a somber day. It was in the fall, a little chilly. Walked on. I I write a lot of songs at Soundcheck. I've, I've written probably probably 15-20 songs that's been on records. But this song, we ended up I ended up the band just started playing it while I started just writing it. And then we a few shows later we were playing it live, you know, in arenas. When we got off the road, just went in and recorded it live because it was one of those things where Everybody was where you're saying that that line sort of, you know, got different reactions, sometimes muted, sometimes crazy. This thing consistently put people in this trance. And he put me in a trance. It's a sort of dreamy song, and it never really goes anywhere. It never grows. It never falls. And so we went in live in the studio because we had been playing it live, and and we recorded it because we didn't want to. We didn't want to, you know. So in in the booth was my mics for my guitars and my vocals. There was no going back and doing just vocal and just guitar. I had to get it right, and right. it ended up becoming a big hit for me. And really, sort of, it had been a while. And the, if we wouldn't have recorded it live, if we wouldn't have played it live for all that time, and you'd have gone in with another band, or like a lot of times Nashville does, it would have lost its thing. And somehow right. it had its thing. And it was the one song that I've ever seen that created the same response and still does, even within me, when you're talking about getting up and getting excited to play a song, you gotta do it. you played it thousands of times. Right. Uh, and I have now, since 2010. And it was, it's the one song that never, ever gets, it's weird. You know, so, so I know what you're saying. Were there any line, I mean, were there any, um, well, any, any shows that you've done in general, uh, any places and shows in particular that you've never gotten tired of ever that always drew the same reaction?
0: The thing about that line thing was that that I was going to say was the, the second night when you're expecting the laugh and it doesn't come. Yeah. And then you you realize, which is a part of this learning process I was talking about with live theater, you learn, oh, wait a second, I was expecting it. The first night, I didn't realize it, but I was surprising myself. And so you then have to learn how to trick yourself into not expecting it every night, finding that place where it's new and fresh for you every single night.
1: Why do you think that happens when you with a crowd? Because every crowd to me is a little different. And it's, it's funny because you're talking about a whole crowd in general. So why is that whole crowd in general almost a little bit more reserved? You know, as we've become entertainers and done so much live work, but why do you think that is? How, how can that change from crowd well, to if, crowd?
0: I think it's kind of the way I described the way we did Airplane. When I was saying the things that I was saying, it's kind of like if the audience is out there, if you could see the movie audience. Um, the difference with the comedy we did and a lot of comedy that's done is with a lot of times the people are up there saying their lines, yada, 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 and they've got their little astral projection of themselves looking out at the audience saying, hey, this is funny, isn't it? Huh? Ain't this funny? My little astral projection was looking out at the audience and they're laughing and they say, what are you laughing about? This is serious stuff. Right. And when I, when it, it, you have that feeling of, wait a minute, this is serious stuff. That makes them laugh even harder. You know, it's just the opposite. It's kind of like a surprise kind of a thing.
1: Right. It's just wild to me. We're talking to Robert Hayes, uh, former Dallas Cowboy. Uh, no, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, but, but. Star of Hamlet. Star of gone Hamlet. Gone with the wind. <laughs> When I came up to L.A. first time, when I came up here, after having you know been on the stage for however many years it was right. that I was in theater six or seven, eight years something like that, and uh, I remember doing a small part. It was a uh, Marcus Welby.
1: I remember uh, MD. I remember. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I had a small part of a cop, and and they had me back. I played that cop again. And instead of like one or two lines, the second time I had like four lines. <laughs> yeah, that's. That, but the I first time, the director he we're shooting the scene says, "Cut! No, no, no! It's all wrong. You gotta do it like this." <laughs> and he did it, and it was so wrong and so bad, it was just so awful. And I said, th- "I said, oh, oh, oh! I see what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got it. All right. Come on, let's do it again." <laughs> so then we did it and i did it the exact opposite of what he said he wanted <laughs> i did it exactly the way i had just done it only i just gave it a little more that's all it was yeah and he shoots it and he says cut yeah now you see and i said yeah you sure know what you're talking yeah, about boy
1: that... i love it i love it which made you let them
0: go ahead and take credit for you know being stupid but right but they they you know a lot of them are just traffic cops so what you have to do is by being in theater and learning what works what doesn't work you know how it all works you can protect yourself. Right. You know what's going to actually be the right thing to do.
1: Robert, when I first appreciated theater, uh, I was sort of spoiled. I was, I was younger, and it was back in 1999, so we're talking almost 20 years ago. I remember seeing True West, two-man play with John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. And apparently they switched roles, right? And there was like an odd couple was like right. an odd couple, right? Uh, play so to to see them switch roles would have been awesome, but I didn't get to. I walked out of there with this appreciation yeah. of theater, and obviously saw two great actors that were. Well, that yeah, were and that's
0: the Shepard play, but Sam Shepard, yeah, he he uh, he just passed away. He was a wonderful actor, but he was also just a great playwright, and uh, his stuff was like you know what people wanted to do.
1: Well, I love it. We're talking to Robert Hayes. You're in a Mississippi minute. But before we go into break, you get to play DJ. Mississippi is the place where the music all began.
0: It is okay. Oh, Mississippi! Yeah, come on, is. man. We believe it. Yeah, Mississippi is the place where all the music
1: began. That's right. So you get to play DJ. You get to, going into the <laughs> break. You want to hear a little Elvis Presley or a little Howlin' Wolf? Oh,
0: Howlin' Wolf.
1: We're talking to Robert Hayes. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right. We'll be right back.
0: This Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: I'm Steve Azar here in a Mississippi Minute. We are with great Rob, Robert Robert Hayes. Uh, okay, let's jump into it now. I, I loved you on the '70s show. My other I mean, name? That's
0: what I use in my other business. Rapping Robert Hayes.
1: Rapping Robert Hayes. Hey, 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 Robin Robert Hayes. All right, so let's jump to, because our listeners are probably going like, just tell me, because every listener probably has seen Airplane as much as I have. So let's dig in, because you you think about the greatest movies that made you feel so good and were so unique in humor. You know, you think of Animal House, I think of Airplane. Uh, I mean, there even even I go back to like used cars or Kurt Russell. That was sort of my thing. But but you think of Caddyshack. So you think of these great movies. You're talking about one of the most unique author, right? Author Dudley Moore. You think Mm -hmm. of some of the most funny, just really unique ways of presenting humor. So you you talked about your theatrical experience, and you talked about how you did Airplane. So I'm a little I'm I'm a little bit curious what you meant by that, and how was that movie? Was there a lot of ad libbing? You, did you guys just sort of let it roll?
0: <laughs> People think that those guys, the boys, we call them the boys, uh, Jerry and David Zucker and Jim Abrams, right? Um, they are the ones that wrote it, they created it, and uh, directed it, and produced it. Uh, I mean, they had we got on all the line producers exec producers and social producers and all the guys to really you know get it through and Howard Koch was put on to shepherd it all through who'd been the head of Paramount because the guys were brand new this was their first film the second film that they had done the first one they wrote and produced but this was the first one they directed first one was Kentucky Fried Movie
1: wow you're kidding
0: from their Kentucky Fried Theater that they started so cool these guys are just I just think they're absolutely brilliant and like, it, like we were talking about Shepard, Sam Shepard, I mean, it always starts with the word, the script. You've got to have the script. You can take a terrible script and you give a, a, a mediocre director and he's going to make a terrible or mediocre film. Right. You've got a terrible script and you've got a brilliant director and he can make, a, you know, a really pretty good movie out of it. Right. But not, you know, a brilliant script with a brilliant director, you have a brilliant film. Mediocre director can kind of ruin it. But you got to start with that script. Absolutely. And that's what the boys did. And they they got rejected over and over and over. And every time they get rejected, they go back and they'd rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And it was so polished. The only parts, uh, Al White and uh, Norm Gibbs, who were the two, uh, the black, spoke black jive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they <laughs> came start cracking human, up. <laughs> they said, they said um, do you mind if if we change this a little bit and they said no please we're three white Jewish guys from Milwaukee we don't know and so Al and Norm had come up with all of this black jive uh, and they kind of you know worked out a little routine so they worked all that stuff out and so great and uh and then as they were writing it, they would call one of the guys that they had cast in the film was one of their regulars in the Kentucky Fried Theater group that they had. And that was Steven Stucker. He's the one that played Johnny, the gay guy that was, you know, running right, around. Of course. Oh, Eddie M., Eddie M., there's yeah. a fire in the barn, you know. And <laughs> one of my favorite things is when Lloyd Bridges would ask for him, Hey, Johnny, how about some coffee? He'd say, No, thanks.
1: <laughs> I, love
0: it. I don't know why but that cracked me up i'm gonna go watch, I,
1: i'm I, gonna watch yeah. this tonight again <laughs> on my thousandth one time but
0: anyway. but they would ask they would call him up and say hey Stephen, what would johnny say here he'd say oh it's like a big tylenol running down you know it's like oh i can make a hat i think a brooch you know so he he made his contributions that way because they just were looking for his zaniness and one day uh while we were filming jim came up to me abrams and he said, uh, or they all three would talk to you. It's like one bo- one head with three bodies.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: The sentence. The other would finish the sentence. I mean, they're <laughs> they're amazing. Uh, when you're when you're you're boring people, we've got to have more dialogue there. We don't have enough. So write something tonight. And immediately, I was struck with fear. Write something. I'm not a writer. Write something. Yeah. And so then I thought to myself, calm down, calm down. Okay. You're boring people to death. You can be boring. Okay, it's no problem. And so I went home and I just started writing. So some of the stuff you see of me boring, the, you know, the uh, Japanese general, who's mm-hmm. named Harry Carey, and, uh, <laughs> and Jesse, the guy who, who played uh, the uh, Indian, you know, with the <laughs> yeah. turban, he's going to immolate himself. I'm just so going to
1: start crying in a second.
0: A lot, that, yeah, <laughs> a lot of that boring stuff is my, my stuff. But uh, wow. other than that, it was so tight. It was it was just word for word what they wrote.
1: Budget wise, back in that day, you know, like I mean, now it's gotten so out of hand, and and you know, low budget,
0: uh, yeah, the low it budget. Was a, it was a small budget film. Uh, my publicist came to me one day. Tony comes to me and he says, "Hey, I just uh, I just found out that Airplane was the biggest money making comedy of all time up until Ghostbusters." <laughs> I thought, wow! And I was having lunch with Howard Koch at Paramount that day, and Howard right. had been the head of uh, Paramount before he, you know, re- uh, you know, retired. Right, or I remember him. Right, and then started his own production company, and so they they put him in charge of us, of of the boys, and to kind of get it through having, you know, a seasoned veteran put it through, and he was the greatest. I love that guy. Um, so we're having lunch, and I said, Hey, Howard. I heard that, uh, that we were the biggest money-making comedy of all time until uh, Ghostbusters. And he kind of leaned back for a second. He looked up, and then he was kind of thinking, and he said, mm, No, I think we still are. <laughs> <laughs> so what he was thinking was, you normally the way you calculate it is that you take uh, whatever it, it took to make the film. You use three times that is when you go into profit, because you got prints and advertising and distribution, all the stuff that you got to pay for. So they just take your budget, triple it, and then that is when you start going into profit. Wow. Well, uh, Ghostbusters, with all those special effects and all those things, had to have cost at least $25 million or right. something
1: like that. Even, and back then, that was a ton,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And so that $75 million is when they start making their money back. Well, Airplane was like $3.5 million, so yeah. at $10.5 at million, suddenly we were, you know, less than half of their budget. We were already starting to make profit.
1: That's so cool. And
0: they were making money so fast that the legendary double set of books that Hollywood is known for, they were making money so fast they couldn't hide it fast enough. Yeah. So, you know, so the boys were able to make their, their money. You know, after giving, I'm sure they had to give away a lot of points on that to people. So, how
1: how hard is it to follow that up? I mean, because we we talk about. that. I mean, you're talking about because you both. I mean, so probably you're you're in the middle of it all, and you know, I always talk about the rearview mirror and all that, and you look back. So, so now, right now, looking back and seeing what you guys had created on this low budget. I mean, I had hits that we made out of a garage that cost us zero dollars, right? And, and that was the coolest thing because you know, it would cost us nothing. And then the money came in once the record labels bought into it and the big Universal and all that. And then they started, they, well, I mean, it's pretty amazing how you get billed for things. You yeah. know, you, I mean, yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden you give them a free record and you owe $462,000. I, l- I love seeing my, you know, I'm going like, what happened? Wait, oh, well, they went to dinner here. And, you know, it's like know, the Wolf of say Wall say Street. Did, Twenty. did you guys study math? What, yeah, <laughs> what did the, what the Wolf of Wall Street? I love it. $26,000 worth of sides? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you spent 20, Jordy. Uh So what, what? $100,000 of coleslaw. Exactly, whiter. exactly. So tell me, so tell me, looking in the rearview mirror, what you made and, and with the perfect cast, it's almost like it, nobody could have been replaced if in yeah. my mind. So yeah. what you made is so historical and it's timeless.
0: Well, that was my first feature film. Oh, yeah. And so how do you top that? You know, it's like, holy smokes.
1: Yeah, but you don't know. You don't, you're you're still young and you're still moving forward. So now looking back.
0: I remember I was over at Paramount one day. I was going over to the commissary to get something to eat. And they were coming out and they were on the other side of the street. They, and the three of them, they, like they, like I say, they move even together, right? Yeah. And the three of them descended on me, you know, yelling at me. And they were making another movie. And they said, we thought all actors were going to be as nice as you. <laughs> and, and and I thought, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they were having a little trouble, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, they were. Uh, they should have called you back. <laughs>
0: uh, it was really, it, it, so in other words, it was their way of giving me a compliment. But they were just the... Greatest, just I can't say enough good stuff about them. But no, I love it. I just loved what was going on. I love. I could not wait to get to work every day. I loved it. It was the greatest experience. One of the absolute greatest experiences of my life. I'm putting my son in number one spot, but airplane is right up in there. Yeah, uh,
1: I love getting the inside skinny. We're talking to Robert yeah. Hayes. You're in a Mississippi minute, uh, all sixty of them. Uh, we're going to be right back. hey folks in the market for new pillows I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA my friends at beds by design and their amazing omni pillow the omni pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric the copper has been known to be anti-fungal antibacterial and good for the skin. The OmniFlow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the OmniFlow is a one of a kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. Omnipilla has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this, they'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal, to give away one million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks give yourself a much deserved life's rest go to OmniPillow.com that's OmniPillow.com enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping you won't regret it thanks guys
0: Mississippi minute with Steve Azar right here on super talk, Mississippi.
1: I'm Steve Azar. We're with the fabulous Robert Hayes. Uh, uh, I guess you could put in quotes, Ted striker, but he's done so much in Hollywood and I love hearing about your theatrical days. Uh, You were on the 70s show. You've done all this, you know, you do a lot of voiceovers, right? You've done stuff for Marvel and, and all this. I mean, all this other stuff that's so rewarding what are you working on right now uh well, that one of the that, things
0: that one of the things that 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 people really uh, another one that they point at is uh, a family film that i did a disney film called homeward bound oh absolutely and and people come up to me and they say I hate your guts. Like what? And they said I've had to watch that film 90 times because my kids just yeah. want to see it over and over. And they laugh and say no, actually it's so wonderful. Thank you for making the movie. But that was uh, that was a real heart-warming and feel-good movie. Of course. Movie.
1: You know, I look at you like, okay, so I'm not big into looking at Wikipedia and all that. But I just look at, and I'm on IMDb and all that. i just as I was just sort of getting prepared for you. Cuz obviously I know you just knowing you but I like I like to be semi-prepared your resume of films you can scroll and scroll and scroll it never ends I love it how much work you've done and an important work and, you know and you're gonna leave this for your family and their families and their family generations they are gonna always look back and it's this documented incredible album a photo album of movies and TV and film I mean, as you get older, as we both get older and stuff, and you look back and you... And you I mean, we're talking in the rearview mirror again. Just looking at your body of work, look in the mirror and just go, are you kidding?
0: I look back on it, and I realize how big all that stuff was. And at the time, I didn't realize. I realized that it was all big, but it was almost like I wasn't even a part of it. I was outside looking at it. I've got it. friends that are really, really good at taking something they've done and running with it and taking advantage of it. Um, and I, I, you know, we did, to a certain extent, I, I just feel blessed about the career I've had, but, uh, uh, you know, there were, there were things I could have taken advantage of things uh, uh, a little better, but that's all Monday morning quarterbacking. That's right, hindsight, course, You know, looking course. back on it, could have done this, could have done that. But as it turned out, I, I just had so much fun working on things that I just enjoyed doing, working with people that I enjoyed doing.
1: I also remember uh, your role on The Love Boat. Soon <laughs> we'll be making the run.
0: I love The Love Boat. Come my, on, my, 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 man. my new wife on that, because I think that was our honeymoon, um, uh, and Dory, and she, she and I go on, and it winds up that our cabin boy winds up being her father. And do you remember who that was?
1: Well, I can't remember. I remember you on the Love Boat, though.
0: Logan's <laughs> Heroes. That was Bob oh, Crane. Oh, it was. Oh, my
1: God, it was. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It was so good.
0: Yeah. It was so And then good. because I had been a, a guest star on Love Boat, they had a big celebration of the 400th guest star on Love Boat. It was you? And they they <laughs> kind of, you know, I'm sure they, they jumbled it around, juggled it so that it was... Uh, Helen Hayes, because when she came on, they made a celebration of Helen Hayes. It was the celebration of the 400th guest star. And so I was invited to the big black tie event at the uh, Beverly Hills Hotel. I was walking across the dance floor. Everybody was milling around, and they had those huge tables with 10 people sitting at a table, you know? Yeah. And she was right next to the dance floor, and I was back a ways over there. I was walking back past the table, and she was sitting there by herself, just kind of looking off. and four or five, five or six of the people were gone. Her son, James MacArthur, who played Dano on Hawaii Five-O, right? he was sitting on the other side talking to some guy. So she was just by herself, and just on an impulse I thought, well, here's my chance. And I went over and said, excuse me, my name is Robert Hayes. And she said, it was noisy, she said, Robert Chase? I said, no, Robert Hayes. <laughs> and she said, oh! And I said, I said, uh, and she leans over to MacArthur across the table and says, Jane, Jamie, or whatever she said, she said, this young man's name is Hayes. He says, oh, wow, great. And he goes back to talking. with his <laughs> Then I told her, thank you for all that she'd done for all of us young actors and how great she was and all that. And then I leaned in close and I said, you know, I was going to come by and say, hiya, Aunt Helen. <laughs> and And she said, oh, I wish you had. And I said... I just did <laughs> <laughs> she laughed she was the great i
1: thing. love it well listen hey i appreciate your time I, I love i love catching up and and i'll see you soon at an event somewhere down the line and i appreciate you uh taking 60 mississippi minutes all of them with me and well, they've uh, been
0: great i loved it thanks a whole bunch steve all
1: right brother we've been with robert hayes uh i can't thank you enough you've been in a mississippi minute later all right baby there that go. that's it I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.